Having trouble staffing up? You're not alone. Our industry is facing an unprecedented labor shortage, and tech will play a central role in solving that problem. Yelp Kiosk was built in 2018 for restaurants who couldn't afford to pay a dedicated host. In 2021, Yelp Kiosk is supporting restaurants that want to do more with less. By adding Kiosk, your host is no longer trapped behind the host stand, enabling them to assist in all front-of-house operations. Learn more about how Kiosk can help your restaurant at restaurants.yelp.com forward slash kiosk. Now here we go. We basically train this restaurant to say, if you carry these specific ingredients and make the food this way, we will do all the legwork to put these brands on the various platforms so that people are actually placing orders from these concepts. And all you have to do is just make the food and put it up for a driver to come pick it up and we'll pay you every time an order is made. In the first month, we started driving $70,000 a month in incremental gross sales into this restaurant. Welcome to Full Comp a show offering insight into the hospitality industry, featuring restaurateurs, thought leaders, and innovators. Served up on The House. I often wonder what the next generation thinks when they look at the way we do business. They grew up with the internet as part of their daily life, and they go to work in restaurants with POS systems older than they are. Well, it appears they've had quite enough of that. Alex Cantor is a new breed of restaurateur, working to fix the problems he sees within the industry and his own restaurant by creating those solutions himself. Today, we discuss the tech he created to serve his own needs and how we as an industry can benefit from his efforts. I actually grew up working in the family business in LA, just like my dad and my grandfather. My role was to adapt the business for the next generation. I'm really thinking about how do we embrace change and technology and reach customers outside of our four walls. Started waiting tables at 12 years old, worked my way up through all the different positions, and uh, really became passionate about proving to my family that change was good and that technology is something we should be embracing. And I would go to all these restaurant shows and conferences every year, like a kid in a candy store, just signing up for everything you could think of. I really used Cantor's as an experiment test ground to really try new things and see what works, what doesn't work, and really got to test and iterate and see what types of technologies we should be looking at and found a lot of great ways to reach customers outside of our four walls and and really became one of the largest volume restaurants on the third-party marketplaces with companies like Uber Eats and DoorDash and Postmates and We had actually signed up for 14 different online ordering services and delivery grew to become over 30% of our revenue, which was a couple million dollars a year just on these platforms, which was a huge shock from a numbers perspective. But the staff in the restaurant hated me because I was the one who brought in all this new technology and we had nine tablets, two laptops and a fax machine just to manage all those incoming orders. So it was kind of an operational nightmare. We really wanted to figure out if there was a better solution out there to tap into all these amazing revenue streams, talk to a ton of restaurants in LA. Everyone was experiencing similar challenges and the operational complexity of all this stuff. Oftentimes I'd come in in the morning and the tablets were unplugged, turned off, people were charging their phones (laughs) using the chargers for the Uber Eats tablet and it really was chaos. We were messing up orders left and right, sending food out to the wrong driver. 
it really felt like the online ordering companies didn't spend that much time in restaurants because we would have to like manually confirm these orders, write down the order information on a piece of paper and then go run it to the kitchen. And it didn't make sense with the way that our restaurant was set up. And so ultimately in 2017, me and a team of entrepreneurs really wanted to take a step back, reimagine the entire online ordering experience from scratch in a restaurant and built a company called OrderMark to, to really solve that problem and make it easy for restaurants to connect to these amazing revenue streams through a single device in the kitchen. I have a couple of things I want to unpack there. So the first is when third-party delivery became 30% of your business, was it at the same margin? Did you guys adjust pricing? Were you making less money off that 30% or more money? Yeah, we looked at a lot of data when we started. It appeared that almost 85% of that revenue that came from these third-party platforms was considered incremental. So it wasn't necessarily taking away from orders within our restaurant, but really reaching new customers. And we realized if we were not listed on DoorDash, we simply didn't exist to all the people who use DoorDash. And if you're not an option on their platform and someone's going to be ordering lunch through DoorDash, you're just simply missing out on that revenue. So... And even though these online ordering companies were taking large chunks off the top um, of each of these orders, we really looked at our hard costs and rent is fixed, the lights are already on, the staff is already in the kitchen, whether you're doing these online ordering platforms or not. And so tapping into those incremental orders was really important for us. And even though on a per order basis, maybe the profit margin wasn't as good as someone who's walking into our restaurant. There were a ton of cost savings as well. There's no car in the parking lot. There's no refills on drinks. There's no dishes to clean. There's no time from a waiter. All these little costs do add up. And ultimately, we found it to be very successful for our business. At first, many of the online ordering companies wouldn't allow us to increase the prices online versus in store. And pretty much all of them eventually gave in. And they have a lot more flexibility around that stuff too. And I always encourage restaurants to inflate their online ordering prices by at least 10 or 15% compared to in the restaurant because you can and people are willing to pay for that convenience. If they want to come in instead and save a couple bucks, that's great too. So <laughs> it's a great way to make up for some of those large chunks that they're taking out. And ultimately, I think so many restaurants resist these third-party marketplaces because of their huge fees. Really, the powerful thing about these third-party marketplaces is if you get 50 orders in five minutes, like Uber will literally send 50 drivers to come pick up that food. And that's not something you can manage if you're trying to do self-delivery or hire your own drivers. It's an amazing tool and service if you really can embrace it and figure out how to make your restaurant work on it. And sometimes that requires reevaluating the menu. There's a lot of things that just didn't translate on our menu to the online version that we had to make changes to and remove certain items. Like many of the breakfast items didn't hold up well. We didn't have the right packaging to start with. So food would get cold or fries would get really soggy by the time they were delivered 20, 30 minutes later. We really had to like rethink and do a lot of experimentation with innovation around packaging and changing up the menu to make it work for online. And, and it was a learning curve to get to where we were by the time it was successful. So it's not easy. Take me back to 2017. How old were you? Uh, I was 24 years old. 
So you're 24 years old, and you say that you got together with a group of entrepreneurs that, I guess, conceptualize order mark. Was everybody about your age? No, actually, uh, the original founding team, the four of us, I was in my 20s, there were some in their 30s, 40s, and actually 60s, <laughs> which was an interesting co-founding team in general. And I was really deep in the restaurant world, but everyone else on my founding team had been CEOs in a past life and had strong tech backgrounds. And I had the least experience, obviously, out of anyone on my founding team. But I was so passionate about the problem that we were solving and, you know, was so deep in experimenting with this stuff that everyone kind of looked at me and said, I think you should be in charge here and we'll all support you and help you. And I had really no idea what I was signing up for when I assumed that role of CEO. And I'm really grateful for the team that we started with because ultimately, like, I think it's really important to surround yourself with strong co-founders and people who you can lean on and trust and I'm really grateful that magically we came together and I hadn't actually worked with the co-founding team much previously. And we all realized this was a really relevant, a new challenge for restaurants that we wanted to solve for. And we just kind of hit the ground running, building the first version of the product behind the deli counter of the restaurant. Our first office was literally a booth at Cantor's first six months until we raised some capital and finally got a real office. But I think it was really helpful to build in a real high stress test environment, getting instant feedback from the people in the kitchen telling us in a perfect world, let's get standardized tickets printing out from these different platforms. And it definitely would have been hard to build this product if we didn't have a real restaurant environment to test it in. And for the folks that don't know, can you explain what OrderMark is and what it does? Yeah. So OrderMark is essentially a company that we founded to help restaurants have a successful delivery business. We realized that consumer behavior is changing very aggressively. More and more orders are shifting to digital and many restaurants don't have the products and services and tools that they need to adapt to that. And so we started by building a single device that aggregates all of the incoming orders from all the third-party online ordering systems like DoorDash, Grubhub, Uber Eats, Postmates, etc., to really enable restaurants to be on every platform without it feeling like you're on every platform. So you have one device that's printing out orders in a standardized ticket. You have one report to look at that has cross-platform analytics and data, one menu to manage where you can push changes, 86 items, turn on and off services from a single dashboard. It actually pushes that information back out to all the different online ordering platforms. And really, it's like an online ordering command center. We've created this management system that makes it easy for restaurants to plug into all these revenue streams and still handle the incoming flow of all these different orders in a manageable way. And then it's really evolved a lot over the last couple of years as well. We went on to power delivery for thousands of restaurants across the country. We've raised venture capital rounds and went through Techstars and have really expanded our offering, our team and our footprint, but really have doubled down on the way that we're helping restaurants and started focusing on, especially we started working on building virtual restaurant concepts, which are a whole other side of our business called NextBite. And NextBite really is a way for us to drive even more incremental orders into these underutilized kitchens through the technology that we've already built that's already in the kitchen. We're, we're able to send orders for a second brand or even a fifth brand into the same restaurant that's already operating, 
doing online ordering. That's been an incredible way for us to drive extra orders and extra revenue into restaurants and became increasingly important in COVID where all these restaurants had to shut down their dining rooms and were really desperately looking for ways to supplement their order volume. And we started creating these turnkey virtual restaurant brands to enable them to handle an extra 10, 20, 30 online orders a day out of their same kitchen infrastructure. And that's been a really exciting area of growth for us as a company. It's been a great way for our restaurants to keep their doors open and really do more out of their fixed cost businesses. So, Before we get there, I want to go high level and I want to get back to you because there's a marked transition between working in the industry and you're one of the guys and you know all these other restaurant owner and operators and that's a really cool dynamic. And then you start selling to them, right? There's a huge difference between working in the industry and selling to the industry. There's a huge difference between a restaurant manager and a Cisco rep, right? And so I'm wondering for you what that was like because restaurant owners and operators don't like to be sold. We don't like to be pitched and we're largely inaccessible. So your growth is amazing in the way that you've reached thousands of restaurants, you service thousands of restaurants. But in the early days, I would assume that that had to be a tough transition. And I'm sure that your family's credibility and the efforts that you put into uh, into order mark really kind of helped lube the gears. But at the same time, what was that sales process like in those early days? Yeah, it's a really good question. You know, I think because I came from the restaurant world and I was the one being pitched all this technology for so long, I really wanted to make sure that like when we were talking to other restaurants, we weren't just another tech company selling products and services that were going to save costs or eliminate just I can't tell you how much BS you have to sort through as a restaurant owner. And I was always very frustrated when I would personally sign up for tech companies and I didn't have a way to see it like a measurable ROI of the investments that I was making. And so when we built OrderMark, I really wanted to make sure that when we are going to these restaurants, we're actually showing them like physical results of like, hey, you're paying us X amount of money per month to use this system, but look at the amount of orders that you're getting as a result of it. Like there's a clear, measurable ROI that's extremely visible. And I go back to things like Groupon, (laughs) all these things that I would experiment with. And it was really hard to measure the impact of a lot of these marketing spends that I was doing. We would typically say, is the restaurant busier? Do we think this is working? It's hard to tell. But with this, it's a very concrete physical measurement with how many orders are you getting per day. And like early on, I think before we even had 10 restaurants, we had signed up this franchisee of Johnny Rockets, who was only on Grubhub at the time, turned on OrderMark, plugged into Uber Eats, Postmates, DoorDash, some of the other platforms that were in their area. And in the first month, they 6X'd their online ordering sales, just right off the bat, just by plugging into all these different available systems. And At that moment, it was like, wow, we are a growth mechanism for these restaurants. We're going in there and enabling them to tap into all these revenue streams. And really, the pitch became, which online ordering systems are you using? Why are you only on two? There's 10 in your market. Let's get you on all of them, get you a single device in your kitchen to make it manageable. 
And it kind of was a no-brainer for a lot of these restaurants. Most restaurants have a lot of extra capacity in their kitchen. There's really slow times and hours where there's just a lot of underutilization. And for us to go in there and just turn on this extra order volume is really meaningful. And so I felt really good about what we were actually selling to these restaurants. And that made it a lot easier for me to commit to ramping up a sales team and bringing in people who are going to be actively talking to restaurants all day. And there was a lot of word of mouth spreading early on. I think in our industry, when something's good and it's working, people talk to their other restaurant owner friends and we had a referral program. And the first couple months when we were going from like zero restaurant customers to our first, you know, hundred restaurants, it was me and a lot of those conversations and really identifying with restaurants and building trust to say, I know exactly what you're going through and really having that empathy. And I think the fact that we came from the restaurant world, that we were built in a restaurant, gave a lot of trust to these restaurants to say, I'm willing to try this. Let's figure this out together. And it was a very new problem that we were solving and a very early point in the online ordering history and journey of restaurants just starting to get introduced to this. I remember at the time that we were starting, there were still so many restaurants that refused to do third-party online ordering and were very hesitant with the fees that, that were being taken. And there was a lot of thought leadership and education to help these restaurants understand how to think about the profitability of it. And we were running around to a lot of the restaurant conferences and speaking on panels and in booths. And we were really just promoting that you should really embrace online ordering and figure out how to make it work versus standing there and resisting it. And I think a couple of years later now, many of the restaurants that resisted it are out of business now. Unfortunately, devastating stats, but over 100,000 restaurants have got shut their doors in the last 12 months. It's a huge number. Like that's one in six restaurants. It's a really devastating amount of people being displaced from work and just a lot of people's passions just not working out. And I think it's really about embracing change, adapting or dying, figuring out how do we keep up with the changes that are happening in, in consumer behavior. And what we built for was something that we believed in over the next 10, 20 years. We saw all this data suggesting that digital ordering was going to continue to get stronger and stronger. You know, more and more people, instead of getting in their cars and driving to restaurants, are shopping online. It's the e-commerce phase of the restaurant industry happening right now. And COVID massively accelerated that. Just the ordering demographic changed dramatically. It used to be a lot of 18 to 34-year-olds who were placing online orders through these apps. And that is now massively shifted to younger, older families. Everyone is using it more frequently now. And even as restaurants are opening up and businesses are starting to, some of them are returning back to offices and all of that. I do think digital ordering is here to stay. Convenience is not a trend. This is a long-term situation that restaurants need to be embracing and figuring out how to coexist in a world where seating capacities are probably not going to need to be as big as they once were. That requires physical change. Like I look at even Cantor's Deli, we have seating for 500 people plus. And you walk into the restaurant, it's usually... And most times of the day, it's 80% empty. Obviously, there's times like Sunday brunch where it's, it's crazy late night on weekends. It's still very active. But most of the time, like we're getting hundreds of online orders a day at this point. And I really believe kitchens are going to get bigger. Dining rooms are going to get smaller. 
more and more people will continue to interact with restaurants through their smartphones and whatever's coming next, voice ordering, all the ways in which people are going to be interacting with the restaurants and restaurants need to be prepared to reach those customers wherever they are. Sure. And I also think that the consumer demand is changing and the types of food and concepts that they're interested in are changing and evolving. And I think that your next venture, Next Bite, which I think is a division of Ordermark, speaks to that in the way that you're leveraging clout, you're leveraging celebrity to sell food. Can you talk about that? Yeah. So just taking a step back, we have always been in the business of trying to drive incremental orders into these underutilized kitchens and have always been experimenting with ways to do that at an even more meaningful level. Back in 2018, as an experiment, I launched my first virtual brand out of Cantor's. It was a grilled cheese concept that I created from scratch, you know, very limited menu, very quick logo that I threw up on these different platforms. And it started selling 20 to 30 online orders a day, which was an extra quarter million dollars a year in incremental gross sales with a fixed cost business. There was no extra staff that we needed. We didn't need to change our hours or anything. Just leveraging what we already had in place. Grilled cheese sandwiches were low food costs. It was easy to reproduce and make a lot of them really fast. And at that moment, we realized the way that we designed this technology to aggregate the orders, we can actually take it one step further and actually help restaurants do multiple brands in the same device as well. Our technology for order marks started being used in many of these like ghost kitchen facilities that were opening across the U.S., like Kitchen United and Zool in New York and Colony here in L.A. And the reason why is because the operators in these delivery-only facilities were running multiple brands or multiple concepts out of a single kitchen and needed one device to manage all those different brands. And we already had the foundational technology to power that. And we realized we can actually help these restaurants launch a second concept or a fifth concept out of the same kitchen and started building brands from scratch, call it Next Bite, brought it to market at the end of 2019 as a way to drive even more meaningful revenue into the back of these restaurants. And we had no idea COVID you know, was about to really accelerate the set of the house even further. But just to give you an example, we had this one restaurant in the suburbs of Indianapolis that was using Ordermark and COVID hit. And in April, they were desperately in need of more orders because they were struggling as a business. And so we came in and turned on five brands that we had created, five of the Next Bite concepts, including Grilled Cheese Society, Miss Maisie's Amazing Chicken, Monster Mac, which is our mac and cheese brand. We basically trained this restaurant to say, if you carry these specific ingredients from your food supplier and you make the food this way, we will do all the legwork to put these brands on the various platforms, drive that demand so that people are actually placing orders from these concepts. And all you have to do is just make the food and put it up for a driver to come pick it up and we'll pay you every time an order is made. In the first month, we started driving $70,000 a month in incremental gross sales into this restaurant. That's a substantial number. It was actually more than what they were doing pre-COVID in their existing mom-and-pop business. And it was all through these just new concepts, new menus, reaching different consumer segments of the market in that area. In the suburbs of Indianapolis, there wasn't a ton of optionality. If you go on Uber Eats, 
maybe you'll see Papa John's or Taco Bell, like some of the big box chains. And then all of a sudden there's Nashville hot chicken sandwiches and, you know, exciting concepts that are new and different. People love ordering from fresh content and things that are different. And it's all coming out of the back of this single restaurant that's now being trained to just do more out of their restaurant and leveraging the staff that's already there, et cetera. So it's really profitable incremental order volume for these restaurants. We've had restaurants tell us that each order is upwards of 25 to 35% profit margins when it's coming on top of their existing operation, on top of their existing business, which is obviously that number is unheard of in our in our industry. It's, yeah, I was going to say, unpack that for me. So they're netting out 25%, I'm assuming, after the franchising fees and the delivery fees. and It's not necessarily franchising, but essentially we are paying the restaurant 55% of the gross sales to make the food for us. And it typically costs 25% food costs on these extra brands that we're bringing in. And so out of the 45% that we're keeping... First of all, the third-party marketplace is taking the majority of that chunk. And a good chunk of that is also going to marketing these brands and spreading consumer awareness, driving that traffic for people to go in to these platforms and order from these brands. And then for the restaurant, getting paid 55 cents on the dollar for something that's only costing them 20 to 25 cents on the dollar is really profitable, especially if they don't need to bring in extra staff to support that. So that's where the 30% profit margin comes in for them. Now, if they were starting a business from scratch and had to pay rent and bring in new people to support this, it would look very different. But because we're layering this on top of their existing infrastructure, that's when it gets really exciting. Okay, that makes sense. So if they're basically at break even at this point, by bringing you guys in, it creates a very profitable business model. Yeah, yeah. It's all about the incrementality. We are building brands that we know are going to perform well. We look at a ton of data to know what's selling well in which markets at what time of day. We're looking at industry trends, we're looking at international trends, and really thinking about what sort of food we can create and what's going to deliver well, what's going to be non-disruptive to the existing restaurant. We don't want to go into a restaurant and train them how to make a very complicated sauce recipe or anything. It's really straightforward, simple operations where we're coming in, training them, saying, you know, here's a handful of items that we're going to put on the menu. You can carry all these ingredients from whoever you're already purchasing from. And we train them and have this whole quality control process as well. We're ensuring that the food is coming out right. We have secret shoppers that are ordering from our restaurants regularly. who are filling out extensive questionnaires to make sure there's three pickles on the chicken sandwich. And taking pictures of every dish that they're ordering from and there's this whole machine that goes into this process. We're aggregating the reviews. Sometimes we have to retrain certain fulfillment partners that we're partnering with. We've been able to become the fastest growing restaurant group that's ever existed, at least according to DoorDash. No one has ever gone from one location of a brand to over a thousand in less than a year. And that's something that we've been able to do with NextBite because we're this new asset light business model where we're not in the business of renting kitchens or cooking food, we're actually just partnering with restaurants to enable them to just do more out of their restaurants. And rather than competing and taking away orders from restaurants, we're 100% in the business of just basically enabling restaurants to tap into these new revenue streams and driving that incremental order volume into their kitchen. So it's been really exciting for our team to watch the impact it's had on restaurants. We've had 
many restaurants tell us that without these extra orders, they would have not survived the pandemic. Keeping these doors open is so critical right now, as so many restaurants have gone out. And unfortunately, the SMB mom and pop market has been affected way more than the large big box chains that have deep private equity pockets, and some of them are publicly traded and can sustain at a loss for extended periods of time. But our heart and our passion is really with mom and pop restaurants and helping them realize how to do this stuff in a simple way that, you know, typically mom and pop operators are not very sophisticated with digital marketing or IT or they don't have the same sort of resources that some of these larger groups have. And so we can come in and be like that outsourced team that's developing all these materials and content and branding and everything that goes behind it, the marketing, doing it for them in a turnkey way. Sure. When I look at NextBite, what I see is I see two big verticals. The first one is really niching out, right? Like nobody would open a mac and cheese restaurant, but you can have Monster Mac pushing out the back of this restaurant and it makes sense. That is a sustainable brand that will last with time. The other thing that you guys do, which is very millennial, is you ride trends. I don't know if anyone would open a Wiz Khalifa inspired brick and mortar. I also don't know how long that virtual brand would last. But you can drop it into a restaurant for three, six, nine, twelve months, maximize the profitability of it, and then pull it out, put in the George Lopez inspired franchise model that you have next and keep going. There's gotta be a lot of that, right? Yeah. When we collaborate with celebrities or interesting partners to build brands, we actually do strive to build long-term brands with whatever we're doing. Now, Hotbox by Wiz, which is the brand that we launched in collaboration with Wiz Khalifa, is kind of a fun brand. It's really going after the stoner market. It's like munchy food. And we identified that as an area of opportunity and growth and then partnered with Wiz to really bring that celebrity likeness and co-marketing opportunity to help promote that. But we don't think that stoner food as a flash in the pan will last just a couple of months. We think that that's a brand that could be here you know, five years from today if done really well. And, and of course, the food has to be amazing. It's got to be a repeatable experience where people are craving it, where people are ordering it regularly for that to happen. And that's what we strive for in everything that we do. There were opportunities to collaborate with certain partnerships on the launch of a song or a moment in time where I think that's more like a pop-up where you can do something that lasts a couple of weeks. You might get a lot of people ordering and then it kind of dies out and it's more of a flash in the pan situation. And I think those opportunities could be interesting, but they are very short-sighted and short-term. It doesn't mean there's not an opportunity to help restaurants in that way, but most of what we're doing is really thinking about building long-term value for these restaurants and partnering in authentic ways where we're actually building something that we think will be here in the long run. You know, you think about like Michael Jordan Steakhouse in Chicago. You can't just throw Michael Jordan's name on it and expect it to do well. The food has to be delicious. It has to be something that's going to be here and people are going to want to celebrate events and life moments there over the long run. But of course, putting Michael Jordan's name on it brings that immediate awareness. It creates excitement and it's piggybacking off of his success. And that's a brand that's been around for a very long time. And that's how we're thinking about a lot of our partnerships. You just took in $120 million in funding led by SoftBank. You're a Jewish kid from Los Angeles <laughs> whose family owned a deli. That's got to seem surreal, right? 
Yeah, I mean, I'm so incredibly grateful and just excited to be partnering with the world's literally best investor and biggest investor. But when we started this journey, we knew that this was something restaurants were going to need and not just be a nice to have situation. And because we're solving real problems, I think we really believe that we're making an impact on this industry, that we're providing real value to the restaurants that we're partnering with. And there's a lot of excitement in Silicon Valley and other places where they're seeing that impact that we're creating and they want to fuel it and, and allow us to do that on a much bigger level. And we're thinking very big with this business. We want to be as impactful as we can to the restaurants that we're working with. And we want to help as many restaurants as we can as well. So this firepower that we now have with SoftBank behind us and a lot of our other great investors gives us that opportunity to really accelerate our growth and step on the gas and ramp up our team. We have almost 250 employees now in the U.S. And that's a lot of people helping to drive this mission forward and to help these restaurants. And I couldn't be more grateful and excited to be along this ride and this journey. And I've been exposed to so many amazing people and mentors and advisors and investors along the way and being challenged every day. And it's been amazing. It's an industry podcast, and at the end of every episode, I like to give the guests an opportunity to speak directly to the audience. There are thousands of restaurant owners and operators listening now. Do you have anything you'd like to share? The most important message is to keep experimenting and to really embrace change and think about it as a positive thing versus sitting back and waiting for things to get better. It's not going to work. And so I would really encourage people to just start embracing change and experimenting more and testing new ways of conducting business because our industry is changing so fast, faster than ever before. It's hard. It's really hard to keep up and hard to do what we're doing, but people will always need to eat. We just have to really figure out how to meet those customers where they are and you got this. <laughs> That's Alex Cantor. For more on his projects, go to cantorsdeli.com and ordermark.com. If you want to tell us your story, hear previous episodes, or check out our other content, go to restaurants.yelp.com forward slash full comp. Thank you so much for listening to the show. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. While you're there, please leave us a review. A special thanks to Yelp for helping us spread the word to the whole hospitality community. I'm Josh Kopel. You've been listening to Full Comp.